0: Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we close out our series, Walk This Way, which has been a study on the Book of James. Now, if you missed any of the previous sermons or would like to go back and hear them again, you can find all of them on our website at ccgf.org sermons or on the Christ Church app, which is available on Android and iOS devices. To close out the series, we are led by our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, who will be preaching on the power of prayer here is this week's message. Thank you for listening. Good morning, church. As you can see, we're on this series, Walk This Way. This is actually the last of this series. We are finishing up this series before uh, next week, as Doug said, we have Youth Sunday. Powerful service. I want to encourage you to come out for that. Our youth here, what's going to happen here is just going to be awesome. So bring some folks out with you to really support the youth in our church. And then next, uh, in September, we're turning our attention to a new series on connections. But We're finishing up this series in James. James 5, and it's fitting that James ends with prayer. Ends with prayer. Prayers of faith. So, with that, let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for James. Thank you for how you teach us to walk this way, that you don't let us go, that you don't give up, that you don't just let us live this life alone, but you're with us. Lord, many of us are dealing with different things in life, whether it's issues we're dealing with with our own selves, trials or persecutions or habits or addictions that we might have, or some of us are just frustrated because of the culture in which we live, Lord, I pray that you give us courage and comfort today as we learn how to pray to you in faith. Lord, we thank you for that, that you hear us when we call. So I pray that you speak to me now. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart, and that as James already has mentioned to us, that we aren't just hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of it as well. And I ask all this in your name, amen. Prayer prayer is one thing. Faith is something else, isn't it? The prayer in the faith is different than the prayer itself. You could pray, but if you don't have faith in the prayer, then that's something totally different. A lot of us don't have a problem with praying. A lot of us have problems with the faith that something's actually going to happen. As children, it's easy. We have a lot more faith when we pray. Kids, it's easier for them to pray. In fact, there was a young boy who had been bad and he was sent to his room. A short time later, he came out and said to his mother, I've been thinking about what I did, and I said a prayer. That's fine, she said. If you ask God to make me good, if you ask God to make you good, he will help you. Oh, I didn't ask him to make me good, the boy replied. I asked him to help you put up with me. (laughs) Kids pray all kinds of stuff in faith, don't we? I know my kids have prayed all kinds of fun things at different points in life, and I found uh, children's prayers to God. One child said, "Pray, Dear God, please put a holiday between Christmas and Easter. It's boring and there's no presents. Dear God, thanks for this food I'm about to eat. Please ask, I ask that you change the taste of this asparagus because it's gross. Dear God, thanks for killing off all the dinosaurs because otherwise we wouldn't have a country. Dear God, please don't come back before the next Cars movie. Dear God, I just want to be, dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I grow up but without so much hair all over me. Dear God, I pray that you take care of mom, dad, sister, brother, my dog, and me, and oh, take care of yourself, because if anything happens to you, we're all in a big mess. And then the one I like, Dear God, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a really good time like I am. Prayers, when we're kids, it's easier because there's a lot more faith that God's going to take action. When we get older, it's harder because we pray, and then we try to figure it out on our own. That's where anxiety and fears and everything creeps in because we pray, but we don't really trust God that he's going to show up. My wife is a woman of prayer. My wife, Deb, is a powerful woman of prayer, always praying, always believing. In fact, many years ago, we were working with the Silver Ring thing, sexual absence program that we have uh, right here in our um, located on our campus, and we're going to be doing a commissioning for them. And I remember Deb and I were part of that ministry for many years, and we had the opportunity to go to England to take this message around uh, to the people in England. Uh, sexual abstinence, God's plan for us and our lives with intimacy and then give the gospel message. And I remember being there had been so much persecution over there. Uh, we would do these events and shows and people would show up and riot or be picket, all kinds of things, because they just didn't want that message there. So we were constantly being faced with persecution. We actually took 25 students from the church to England. I don't know if that was a good idea or a bad idea, but there's 25 of them with us, and Deb and I were kind of responsible for all these folks, and I remember not only was there persecution and pressure from the people, but there was persecution and pressure for us just being there. Satan obviously did not want us there. In fact, I remember uh, there was one particular situation towards the end of the trip. We were on a a ferry that was taking us from England to Ireland, because we were going to do some events there, and our host uh, had neglected to find a location for us all to sleep that night. So there we are, 25 students, about five leaders, 30 of us. It was uh, 10 o'clock at night, and we're on this ferry, and we did not know where we were going to go when we get off. And Ireland, especially around Dublin, is not a place you want to just go. Yeah, let's figure out where we want to go. So my wife was a woman of prayer, was had a bag of quarters and one of those old payphones, and she was praying. I was praying the boat would stop rocking so I wouldn't pass out because I was not doing well on this boat. But Deb, every quarter she put in, she... Believed in faith, said, Lord, I know that you have a place for us. And she put a quarter in, called the hotel or hostel. She had a phone book in front of her, and they all said, full, busy, you know, you know, not tonight. She was down to her last quarter. She said, the whole time I knew God was going to provide a place for us, I just didn't know where. So she put that quarter in, Lord, I know you got a place for us. She put it in there, and the person on the other end picked up and said, Hey, in fact, we just had 30-some people just leave, um, and so we have a place, a hostel, if you guys want to come stay here. Power of prayer. But it's power in the faith of the prayer. There's faith in the prayer that we have. You know, when James goes through this series, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know this has been a tough series. For some of us, it's been kind of a punch in the gut because James talks about all the different stuff that we deal with in life, whether it's persecution or trials or uh, wisdom or listening to God or uh, our actions, our tongue, how we deal with pride, how we deal with finances, how we deal with uh, perseverance, all kinds of different stuff in life. And a lot of us are oppressed by those things, aren't we? We go through life and we get oppressed by different things in life. Some of us look at our relationships are a mess. Our finances are a mess. Our uh, home life is a mess. Or we have no direction in life. We have no control in life. And we get oppressed. And there's times when it gets really bad. For some of us, we have a lot of fears or anxieties about things going on around us, whether it's internal or we look at the culture. You look at the culture, turn on the news, all these riots going on. And you go, what's going on around here? There's oppression. James is talking to these people. He's talking to them and saying, hey, listen, this is how you're going to live out this life. When you go through this life, it's not going to be easy. We figured that out. If you're an adult, you've already figured that out. This isn't so easy, is it? To live a certain way, to live a certain way the way the Lord wants us to live. As kids, kids, I've got to tell you, it doesn't get much much easier as you get older. It gets harder. There's persecution. You have persecution when you go to schools about how sharing your faith, who you are, trying to live a certain way. There's, a, there's oppression, and that's who James is talking to. And James says, listen, you've got to start with prayer. As pastors, we don't get a buy or pass on oppression. And if I could be a bit candid with you, a bit open, uh, some time back, I was really oppressed, really oppressed, and that, that's the best way I could describe it. It wasn't because of any sin going on in life. I just was oppressed think things were going well at the church, and that's when Satan really likes to attack. And I felt this oppression on me like never before. In fact, it was so bad that I did not sleep for almost 72 hours. I felt this oppression over me saying, you can't do this. Get out. This isn't good for you. You shouldn't be there. You can never handle this. And I felt that. 72 hours. I wrestled with it. I did not eat for three days. I lost 10 pounds in the process. I'm better. I gained it all back. Praise God. Somebody clapped for that in the first service. I really appreciated that. Thank you. Somebody thinks I need to add weight. Uh, but it was such a terrible oppression that I couldn't even think straight. And I don't know what it was. It was the, Maybe it was the pressure of church or the just the going through life. I don't know what it was, but it was definitely an evil attack on me. So much so that I couldn't focus, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. And I remember my wife, a wife, my wife, a woman of prayer said, we're going to pray about this. God's going to take it away. And so I remember very, very clearly. We Got down, it was, we were in our bedroom on the edge of our bed and she grabbed my hands and she started praying. And her prayer was this, Lord, we know that Jared's being oppressed and attacked. We believe that you're going to take it away. And I remember praying, this, praying, and I don't remember actually feeling this, but when I woke up, I looked down, and the bed was soaking wet because tears were just pouring out of my face. But as soon as she said amen, it went away just like that. Like day and night, just went away just like that. I remember laying down in bed and slept for 12 hours. Woke up, had a normal meal, everything. That's the power of prayer that's the power when we go through life and we deal with situations in life some of us are wrestling with things in our own life whether it's families or whatever we just talked about finances or perseverance or things in our own life or our culture and we're so down and so tired and so oppressed that we're trying to find an answer and what James is saying hey listen, you're down and out you're being persecuted, you're being oppressed you need to pray you need to pray and there's power in prayer and when we look at that we find prayer leads to all kinds of things prayer, first off Leads to comfort, doesn't it? Prayer leads to comfort. If you have your Bibles, uh, Doug just read it, James 5, verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. I'd love to ask the I'm not going to do it here. But i love to ask the question. Anybody in trouble? Anybody dealing with something right now? You need to pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. You know, I love the fact that we sing and we praise and pray all at the same time on Sunday mornings. Why? Because they go hand in hand for spiritual strength. Spiritual strength, they go hand in hand. Suffering, all kinds of... We are going to suffer, not only as humans, but as believers. When we try to live a certain way, the culture says, listen, don't live that way. Don't follow what Christ is going to do. Don't, don't follow that way. You're going to live the way the culture wants you to live. That's not what this is saying. We're, it's going to be tough. Prayer leads to comfort. That's why Second Corinthians 1 is very powerful. It says, praise be to God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. When we pray, God gives us comfort, doesn't he? Comfort, not because he changed the situation, but because he's in control. That's how we know. When Jonah was in the whale... It says, my, my life was ebbing away. I remembered you, Lord, and, pr- and pray and rose to you, to your holy temple. Jonah was going through a tough time in life. Some of you are going through a tough time in life. Prayer leads to comfort. Draw near to me and I will what? Draw near to you is what the Bible says. Are you drawing near to God? Praise and prayer are closely connected. Prayer leads to, to, to such comfort. Some of us are, are desperately longing for just a bit of peace. Just a breath of fresh air. That's what prayer does. If anyone is, is anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. As we go through James, as we already did, James touched on all kinds of stuff. Are you struggling with trials, temptation? Are you listening to the Lord? Are you struggling with loving others, faith? Are you struggling with words? We talked about struggling with wisdom and direction, trusting God, pride, perseverance, money, all kinds of, are you struggling with those things? If so, pray. That's what James is saying. He ends perfectly. He talks about persecution in the first chapter, going through trials, and ends with prayer. It's the perfect way to end, James. It's a perfect way for you to understand how we walk this way, that it's not going to be easy, but we can pray, and comfort comes. Prayer also leads to restoration, too. Look at verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. If you go back to the the previous slide, this is one of the most misunderstood or taken out of context verses of the Scripture. Okay, Is it true that we could be healed through prayer physically? Absolutely. Is it true that people have been healed in the hospitals or at homes because of physical illness? Absolutely. Prayer heals. Absolutely. We see time and time again throughout Scripture, Jesus is healing people. He's raising people from the dead. Prayer does heal physically. But that's not what James is talking about here. Here's how we know. James, all the way through his book, is talking about persecution. Persecution is talking to the Jewish believers who are being persecuted. He's talking about trials that they're going to go through, suffering that they're going to go through. He talks about all the different stuff that they have have to work through. And then in James 5, it wouldn't make sense for him to now turn the tables and all of a sudden talk about physical sickness. He's talking about spiritual sickness. Then because he goes right into talking about the sin, that if they have sin, they will be forgiven. Is it true that we can be healed physically? Yes. But what he's talking about here is, is anybody among you sick, down, spiritually oppressed? Let them pray. Why go to the elders? Because the elders are the ones that are spiritually mature in life. You see, we have people that are going to pray afterwards. We always have a prayer team here on Sunday mornings. We have a prayer team um, throughout the week as well. But on Sunday mornings, we have a prayer team. We interview these people because we want to make sure that they are spiritually mature people. Not just people who say, yeah, I'll pray with somebody. No problem. We want to make sure they're spiritually mature. Why? Because you go to the elders, pray over them. Why? Because they're spiritually mature. A lot of people, when they go through something in life, a situation or an issue or a trial, the first thing they run to is a therapist or a counselor. Are those people necessary? Absolutely, 100%. I know we have some in our church, and I think it's wonderful that they're there. I think it's when we refer out to people all the time, to Christian uh, counselors all the time. But what happens is they neglect the prayer in their own life. They don't pray to the Lord because they don't believe that the Lord could actually break the bonds of what they're going through. Whether it's an addiction or a habit or something else that they're struggling with, they don't pray. And then they're neglecting the power that they have right in the palm of their hands. That's where prayer leads to restoration. Prayer leads to restoration. Restoration. A a while back, I was talking with a a couple who had been married for a long, long time, and uh, they were really dealing with a lack of communication with each other. And we talked about where did that stem from. So they said, well, well, we communicated really well when we first got married some 30, 40 years ago, and something happened along the way that they weren't talking. And what we found out was it was something, an incident that happened five years ago that was never dealt with that there was still pain there from a situation five years ago that the one didn't ask for forgiveness from the other and the other didn't, never forgave that person and they were holding on to it. So they didn't communicate. So, well, listen, we're not going to talk about communication and how we, you guys can start uh, having a closer bond if you aren't first restored to one another. So you've got to be able to confess that sin to each other, ask for forgiveness from your, each other and from our Lord so that when, then we can start working on the communication. Because prayer leads to restoration. Prayer also leads to fellowship. Prayer also leads to fellowship. Look at verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Open sharing relationship with Christians. That's why we confess to each other. That's why we have times of prayer with one another. We have fellowship with one another. Why? Because Matthew 18, again, truly I tell you that if two of you agree about anything, they ask for it. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Isn't it wonderful to know that when we pray with one another as Christians, in the name of the Lord, that we come together, that the Lord's with us. That's, that's powerful. That creates fellowship there. Couples, if you're listening. Some of couples deal with intimacy issues. We want to have a better intimacy life. Pray together. Why? Because prayer leads to fellowship. Prayer brings people together because we know we go through the similar things in life. We pray together. It leads to fellowship with one another. There's so much power that happens when you pray. Deb and I pray together every night. We pray about things that are going well. We give God praise for things that are going well. We we lift up our hearts to Him. Ask for things that are going on in our own lives, and then we yield. We say, Lord, you know, use us however you want to use us. Help us to yield to that. There's there's fellowship in prayer. But ultimately, what I want you to get out of this, very simply, is this. Is prayer leads to power. Prayer leads to power. James 5.18, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. John Knox, was uh, he started the uh, Presbyterian Church in, in Scotland. And John Knox is known to be a prayer warrior. He was one that's a, a righteous person. He's powerful and effective. And he was constantly praying. Constantly praying for uh, the people that he worked with. Constantly praying for his enemies. Constantly praying. till the end of his life, he was praying. So much so that the Queen Mary of Scotland was, uh, had said that she was more afraid. Uh, I feared John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000 men. She feared John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000 men. Why? Because prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Do you believe that, though? There's a true story of a tale of a, of a, a, a town. True story. That it was a dry town, alcohol-free. Okay. Then a local businessman decided to build a bar right next to a church. So a group of these Christians from this local church were concerned and planned an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene. True story. It just so happens that shortly thereafter, lightning struck the bar and burned it to the ground. So the owner of the bar sued the church, claiming that the prayers of the congregation were responsible. But the church hired a lawyer to argue in court that they were not responsible. So the, pro- <laughs> the presiding judge, after his initial review of the case, stated this. No matter the outcome of the case, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not. <laughs> the bar owners believe that prayer actually did something. The Christians were the ones going, no, not us. <laughs> we do that. Though we don't pray because we don't think anything's going to happen. That's the prayer of faith. Prayer leads to power. Psalm 107 says this, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress, and he stilled the storms to a whisper. And the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to the desired haven. Many of us are going through storms of life. The disciples were going through storms of life. Jesus calmed the storm like that. Because prayer leads to power. That's how powerful he is. He's the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. He's the father, the the Lord Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the beginning and the end. That's how powerful it is. And many of us walk around with a power that we don't ever tap into. We walk around struggling and frustrating in life, trying to live a certain way, and we don't tap into the power that's right in the palm of our hands. And so... James uses the illustration of Elijah. He could have used any illustration. James could have talked about anybody. He could have talked about how the disciples were trying to cast out a demon and and Jesus, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus in Mark 9 cast out a demon. And the disciples go, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus says, it only could happen through prayer. We could have talked about all the times that, that Peter and Paul prayed. And the power that resulted. We could have talked about how Jesus went up and prayed. Things happened. Miracles happened. He could have talked about Peter in Acts 9. Or Peter when he was laying in prison. And how the angel opened the door. You know, Thomas Watson said the angel fetched Peter out of prison. But it was the prayer that fetched the angel. He could have talked about any illustration. But he uses Elijah. Elijah who prayed and God said it's going to be a drought for three and a half years some of us are dealing with a spiritual drought we just feel dead and then it pours it's Elijah that's the power of prayer you know Elijah was dealing with a culture that was one of the darkest times in the history of Israel we kind of think that here today don't we we go man we're living in some tough times don't we Elijah was coming off of a northern kingdom had 19 kings all of them were evil and he was trying to bring hope. In fact, his name means, my God is Jehovah. This is not a great meaning for a name. Elijah believed. How could Elijah be so confident of an impending drought? He said, listen, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. How was he so confident? Because he prayed. He was a man of prayer, and he was faithful in his prayer. That's the prayer of a righteous man. And he prayed. He prayed. Do whatever it takes, Lord. Elijah was a man of prayer. My hope is that we are people of prayer. We understand the power that can result when we pray. Power to break the the bonds of oppression like I was going through. Some of us are going through uh, addictions. We, We know that prayer breaks those bonds. Some of us are dealing with oppression and fears and worries and anxieties. Prayer is powerful. Prayer gets us through this life as hard as it is. I'm going to ask Brad to come back up because that song that he sang at the offertory was so powerful because it speaks exactly what we're talking about. There's hills and valleys as we walk this way. As we go through life, we know that there's good things, there's good times, and then there's going to be some bad times. Some of us are going through those good times, so we sing songs of praise, don't we? Some of us are going through those valleys and we're in trouble. We need to pray, so we lift our eyes up to the Lord. That's what Elijah did. That's what I did. When you have good times and bad, we pray. Elijah's story is great because it goes on that he has this big battle with the prophets of Baal. If you remember the story, it's a great Sunday school story. It was there at this mountain. But he has this thing with these 450 prophets of Baal who are saying, Hey, this God, my God is powerful. And Elijah goes, okay, let's see how powerful he is. Let's do a little competition. We're going to go up to a mountain, and you're going to build an altar. This is all in 1 Kings. You're going to build an alter, altar. You go first. You're going to pray and ask your God to light that altar in fire. And I'm going to pray and ask God to light, uh, my God to light my altar in fire. And let's just see what happens. And so these 450 prophets get up there, and they build this huge altar. All these people are gathered around. And then nothing happens. And Elijah kind of taunts them a little bit. He goes, maybe you should pray louder. Maybe your God's sleeping. So they start screaming. All these prophets of Baal, they start cutting themselves in 1 Kings, praying out loud to this, this, this fake God of Baal to light this altar on fire, and nothing happens, and Elijah keeps taunting him the whole time. How is he so confident? He's confident because he's a man of prayer. He's a man of faith, isn't he? He knows his God's powerful. And so he says, okay, it's my turn. It's my turn now. I want to show you just how powerful my God is. So he says, you guys stop. It's my turn. Take that altar. What we're going to do, we're going to put four jugs of water all over the altar. We're just going to douse it with water. So he has all this water poured on this altar First 1 Kings. And he prays this prayer. He says, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are a God in Israel, that I am your servant. And I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God, that you are turning their hearts back again. And instantly that thing went up in flames. So much so, it was so powerful that it burned up the whole altar, all the soil around it, and all the water that was there. All of it evaporated. That's how powerful it is. That's how powerful God is. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. Some of you need to cry out and say, Lord, answer me. Answer me. Know that the power is there. When I was going through that time of oppression sometime a while back, it was instant. The power was there, and he took it right away, just like he burned up that altar. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of faith? Prayer is a power we walk around that we don't even use. This song that we sing, Brad's going to sing, talks about the hills and the valleys. What do you do when you go through the hills and when you go through the valleys? He's the God of hills and valleys. I'm not alone. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will eat with you and you will eat with me. Stand at the door. All you got to do is knock. Some of us going through a lot of stuff in life, we're going through that valley. All we got to do is knock. All we got to do is pray. and The power comes. Do you believe it, church? Oh, I hope you do. As we go throughout this life, it's, not going to be easy. Never is. He's with us. We're not alone. We're not alone. He's with us every step of the way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus thank you. Thank you for the, the hills that we have. Thank you for the valley. Some of us are in a valley Lord. Some of us are struggling with so much stuff in life internally. Fears, worries, habits. Some of us got some addictions going on Lord. Some of us have been wrestling with things for a while. Some of us haven't slept either. We just need that moment of peace, that moment of comfort, Lord. I pray for that, Lord, as people leave this place, that they stop looking around for answers and look to you for an answer. That they lift their eyes up to you, that they see you, that they hear your voice, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the fact that we can go through this life with you. We thank you for what you're doing here in this church. Be with us as we leave this place. And I ask all this in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close?